coming up on the Boxing After Show. Pravodnikov versus John Molina and Lomachenko versus Martinez. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. So nice. You gotta love the Deftones every week. We bring you that lovely instrumental from the Deftones. I know my engineer, John, loves it. He loves it, don't you, John? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone, this is the Boxing After Show here on AfterBuzz TV. Use the hashtag, 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 that could be something else, hashtag ABTV Boxing. Join us on YouTube. We're live on YouTube right now. We can chat. Send me your questions. Send me your concerns. Send me your thoughts on last night's amazing fights. Check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, rate us, subscribe, let us know what you think. I love talking to the fans. Last week I was in Carson for the fights in Carson at StubHub Center and talked to some fr- uh, fans down there. They were tweeting, uh, live tweeting at, during the fights. And then last night's fights uh, at MSG and other locations, We were. Uh, it was just all night. Um, you, it's, it's just, boxing fans are... Are, are, are a different breed because I think we like to talk to each other. Uh, some of the team sports like football and basketball and baseball, there's just a lot of, you know, my team, you know, my team is great. Your team sucks. But boxing is interesting because you just get people who are passionate about uh, different fighters. There's not a lot of homers. Uh, it's fun. And I, I love talking to the fans. So join us live. Um, I'm checking in on YouTube right now to see how the chat's going and also staring at myself. Um, I am Jared Gilkerson. That's at Gilkerson Radio on Twitter. Uh, usually alongside of me would be Andrea Fasano, but she is out today, and she's at Andy Fasano, A-N-D-I Fasano on Twitter. She'll be talking some boxing too, and hopefully she'll be back soon to join all of us to talk about the fights. But you got me this week. Um, and before we show some highlights of the fights, we're going to talk a little bit about Provodnikov and John Molina. Uh, last night... Um, everyone thought this fight could be, it's got potential. It's the second week in a row, potential fight of the year on it. Two action fighters. Provodnikov came in 25 and four. John Molina came in 28 and six. Both are starting to get kind of that journeyman, I guess. That's what that's where their career is going. They're kind of becoming these journeymen. Provodnikov had a chance to become maybe a stud. His defense isn't great. Same thing with John Molina, had a chance. Now they've they've both lost, you know, as much as they've won in the past couple of years. So this fight really puts the loser in the dumps, puts the winner of maybe having another title chance in the future. Um, before we get to how I scored the fight last night in the breakdown, Jonathan, let's roll some highlights from last night's Pervodikov Molina fight. You got it. Here we go. Event. Ruslan Provodnikov. John Great Molina fight, Jr. This one was an You know, as you're if you're watching live here on YouTube, um, you can see that Molina would would just use the jab. He kept the distance, and he was much more active than Ruslav Provodnikov. And that's it. That's it, Jonathan. Uh, Showtime. I mean, they could have done a little bit better with the highlights there. I mean, there was that 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 fight was much more action packed than than what we saw. Um, I'm not sure how you scored at home. 
I'd love to hear about it because some of these rounds were really close. And the judges' scorecards at the end of the fight were 116-112, 117-111, and 115-113, all in favor of John Molina Jr. I had it 117-112 for John Molina. I had one round in there, even, round 10, which was just an odd round. But this fight is a classic example of a busier fighter, not quite as accurate as the other fighter, but way busier winning the fight. Um, he used his he he looked like the Molina looked like the much bigger fighter in there. He had more size, he had more range. So when he was in trouble, he could kind of lean on Ruslan Provodnikov and get out of trouble with his weight. Uh, at the end of the fight, Molina said that uh, that Showtime's unofficial scales look like. The scale was one you'd get at a CVS um, because they said it. he weighed 160 pounds for that fight. Um, but he says he was more like 154. Of course, both fighters are junior welterweights, so they fight at 140. And he says that the scales were a little off, but uh, he was definitely the bigger and heavier fighter. He started off hot. Round one, his jab was working. Good power shots in the inside. Good Good movement. Same thing in round two, Molina landing cleaner, more effective punches. But in round three, it looked like Molina started to slow and that he shouldn't be getting caught with Ruslan's jab. But Ruslan's jab, when he threw it, and he threw it in, you know, more than just one pop, you know, jab, jab, right hand, he would win those rounds. So after three rounds, I had it two rounds to one. So we had a, we had a pretty close fight. But then Ruslan went back into his, his old just get inside and get hit. You're not going to win rounds that way because Molina was was boxing. Molina was staying on the outside, jabbing, 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 throwing more combinations. The uppercut was working. Uh, he was more active. Uppercut and hooks look really solid. Ruslan is not throwing enough at this point. There's too much inactivity. He needed to create more angles and throw more. Uh, there was also a clash of, the, of heads in round four, and that opened up Ruslan a cut. His eyes are always a mess. He always looks worse even if he's winning a fight. In round five, Molina was still controlling the distance. When he controls distance, he wins rounds. That's simple. Ruslan was not throwing enough punches. He needed to cut off the ring. Once again, in round six, Molina was controlling the round with jabs, straight right hands. Uh, Ruslan did land a huge hook at the end of the round and stumbled Molina, but I didn't think it was enough to win the round. There was a lot of times during this fight and I want to know your thoughts as well, where Molina would just dominate for two minutes. He would control outside. Sometimes he would get sucked inside, but when he got sucked inside, he was owning Provodnikov with, with really clean and solid uppercuts and good work to the body. And Provodnikov, it, you know, it looked like he tried to steal rounds. At the end of, of, of specific rounds, he would try to kind of steal him with a big shot, but it just wasn't enough in my opinion. Um, but by round seven, I was seeing some punches where Provodnikov was lifting Molina off of his feet. Um, and at that point, I thought Molina may have been in trouble. It looked like his punches had lost a little bit of mustard, and Provodnikov started landing the cleaner shots and heavier punches. I thought at that point, John Molina would be in trouble in rounds eight, nine, and ten. It looked like he was ahead on the cards by plenty, but it looked like Provodnikov was going to catch him. It looked dangerous. But once again, in round eight, Molina was back in control with his jab. His distance was great, not fighting on the inside as much, not getting sucked into Provodnikov's game. 
And once again, Ruslan was not active enough. Joel Diaz, his trainer was trying to get him, trying to wake him up, trying to say, what are you doing? You have to throw more. And us fight fans, we are used to seeing Ruslan Provodnikov throw more. We thought he would throw more punches than John Molina. That's not this. That's not the case. And we'll jump into the stats. Um, so once again, Molina more consistent in round nine. Ruslan still not throwing enough. And then round ten was odd. On my card, Ruslan needed to run the table. Um, maybe even the last four rounds. But round ten was odd. All of a sudden, both fighters decided to become boxers and not sluggers. No inside fighting. The punch stats were way down. Both fighters were not doing much. And I scored it an even round. I guess when you watch nine rounds of action and then you get to a 10th round and both fighters' punch output is cut in half, you're kind of spoiled and you don't really know how to score the round. If that was the first round in the fight, I probably would have scored it for someone. But you kind of got lulled to sleep and I couldn't give the round to anybody. I know that Steve Farhood, Showtime's official unofficial score scored it for Provodnikov. So um, I don't have a problem with that. But uh, And then the round 11, Provodnikov started to box. His head movement was there. The angles were there. He was confusing Molina. And it made you wish that Ruslan had fought like this early on because he looked really good from the outside, even being the shorter fighter, landing jabs, double jabs, and then landing the, the power right hand over top of those jabs and really controlled the round. And uh, I thought unless he gets a knockout, though, in round 12, it's going to be too little too late. And then once again in round 12, Molina controlled the round again, landed a couple of heavy shots, uh, Ruslan that is, but just didn't control enough. So I had it 117-111, um, that ends up, you know, that's not even close. Provodnikov seemed very out of it at the end of the fight, saying he needs to figure out what was wrong, where his head's at. He's not sure why, you know, he got beat up so bad, but also didn't take anything away from John Molina. He said, you know, props to him and he deserved to win. He was the better man tonight. So I love to hear that from a fighter. I like to hear when they admit that they lose and they just didn't have it. But hopefully Provodnikov, who seemed really dejected at the end of the fight, uh, can bounce back because obviously he kind of had the, the better future uh, if you're for the rankings sake, that is. If you, if you look at some of the... Um, the junior welterweight rankings there at 140. Provodnikov had all the numbers, you know, top five on some people's list, top 10. John Molina, on the other hand, had uh, been beat more recently a lot. Uh, you know, I think he lost two or three of his last five fights, kind of slumping. So it's, I think, obviously, if you looked at Vegas, I think they had Provodnikov as a seven or eight to one favorite. So the Provodnikov fans and the boxing fans, I think, look at this one a little stumped and look at him as maybe slowing down. Or He looks like he's caught in between two styles of fighting, the old school Provodnikov and then this new boxing, you know, not getting hit as much. And that seemed to work for him, but he seems caught in the middle. He needs to find where he kind of lands now on his style. But... uh, uh, the segment on the show I really like, and I'm officially naming matchmaking. It's the matchmaking portion of the show. This is when we look at the winner, see what they should do going forward. So John Molina, what's next for him? I think a second fight against Lucas Matisse would be great. Matisse did look a little shot against Victor Postal in his last fight, but now we see Postal is fighting Terrence Crawford at the end of July in a huge fight. 
maybe the two best junior welterweights in the world. So who knows if Matisse is shot, but I think a Matisse-Molina 2 fight really has a lot of potential. And also think that Molina versus Adrian Broner again would be a really solid fight. I don't know if they can make it happen with Showtime and PBC, what the contracts are. But Molina's best thing going forward, I think, is getting revenge for some of his losses he's had in the last couple of years. And hopefully Provodnikov, I think what he needs is a tune-up or a fight to boost his self-esteem and, you know, finding out what kind of fighter he is again because he's not used to losing this much and now he's looked at as kind of a fringe top 10 junior welterweight. So that's what's next for both fighters. Now we transition into HBO's big card last night. The headliner was Vasil Lomachenko versus Rocky Martinez. Of course, Vasil Lomachenko, the amazing, amazing amateur career. 396 wins and one loss. Yeah, that's that's correct. 396 and one. Two Olympic gold medals, 2008, 2012. Superb athlete. You get the fight before Provodnikov Molina. Fight fans love it. Uh, non-boxing fans love it. It's a slugfest. You get this fight, and boxing purist and fans like myself watch Vasil Lomachenko and are just amazed at the skill level, the speed, the angles he gives the other fighters. He's an amazing, amazing fighter. And Jonathan, let's roll the highlights from last night's main event on HBO. Lomachenko versus Rocky Martinez, 130-pound champion. Lomachenko moving up from 126 to 130. And it's obvious. When this fight started out, the hand speed of Lomachenko was impressive. The jabbing, the straight, (laughs) look at that. Look at that straight left hand if you're watching live on YouTube. The angles, he just steps around Rocky Martinez and makes him look bad. And then coming up, the end of the fight here, as we see in round five. Look at that right hook. You could hear it. If you're, li- if you're listening on iTunes, you could hear that shot, the right hook to the face. I don't think Rocky Martinez knew it hit him. And he's out. He didn't even, he couldn't even get up. And as we watch the slow motion replay, the nice left uppercut and the right hook ending the night for Rocky Martinez. And Lomachenko showing a little bit of emotion. High-tech Lomachenko. I like that nickname. Jonathan, what do you think of the of a nickname, Vasil High-Tech Lomachenko? It's the shit. Yeah, it's cool because it's you hear about these rough and tough nicknames, and this fighter is so technically sound. It's Oh, I just burped on the mic. It, that's really professional. You hear about a fighter that's so technically sound like Lomachenko, and that's just a cool nickname. And he's, you know, like Kovalev, like other Eastern European... Eastern European fighters, you know, Kovalev being from Russia, and a lot of the Eastern European fighters or Russian fighters are a little stoic. Um, he, If you go back and watch the replay, replay, Lomachenko knocked Martinez down with that knockout, and most fighters would run back to their corner and be excited. He just walked back like it's another day at the office. I love fighters like that. Doesn't show much emotion, but once the 10-count hit, I mean, that was huge. This is only his, uh, if you look at his record now, he's 6-1. This is only his seventh professional fight. 
this is an interesting case. You know, he had such a huge amateur career that he was able to jump up to the pros, and now he's making these pros look silly. Um, of course, my card had it up to that point, four rounds to none for Lomachenko. He was he was incredible. Um, if you look at some of the punch stats, the total punches, Lomachenko landed 87 of 202, which is 43%. But the impressive stat chat for Vasil Lomachenko is 55 of 95 power punches, 58%. That's really unheard of. He's so accurate. He's so, you know, sometimes you see these, these, these fighters that are more technically sound and better defensively, and you think they're boring. This is not fun to watch. I'm sorry, this, this, this fighter's incredible. He, he's not going to slug it out with you, but he can be just as exciting as, you know, Orlando Salido and Francisco Vargas were last week in a different way. When you watch a fighter who can avoid shots like he can and create angles and the hand speed, it's, you can't take your eyes off it. And I thought this fight was just going to go 12 rounds. I thought he was going to pick and pop, and maybe he wouldn't have a lot of power. But man, that uppercut and then right hand hook to end the night for Martinez was impressive. And that's a champion. That's a 130-pound champion. And we're talking about Lomachenko, a fighter coming up from the amateur ranks, and now only his seventh professional fight. And he's now a 130-pound champion. Did well at 126. A lot of fighters at 126 didn't want anything to do with him. And now he goes up to 130 and dominates there. I'm not sure how far he can move up. He's only five foot six. I think you could get him up to, I don't think you're ever going to see Lomachenko as, as a welterweight, 145. I think that's just way too heavy. And if you look, he's 28 years old. You know, a lot of fighters when they're seven fights in are 19 or 20 or 21 or really early. So, He's kind of in the middle of his career right now. I don't think you're going to see much movement. I think there's a lot of fights to be made at 130. And that's where we're going to get into the matchmaking portion of Vasil Lomachenko. There are so many possibilities. and I know the fans are thinking the same thing. There is so much talent, especially when you look at what HBO has done. If you look at HBO's fighters that are under HBO contract, from around 126 through 140, it's really impressive. Uh, you saw Francisco Vargas and Orlando Salido fight last week. You saw last year's fight of the year with Francisco Vargas and Takashi Mira. And another fighter, Nicholas Walters, who's been mm, kind of average and so-so, but there's potential there, and there's been some you know talking with matching up. So I think Lomachenko has a lot of options. He said after the fight that he wants to stay more active. He wants to fight more. He needs to. I'm not sure he's going to get the big name quickly. I don't think Orlando Salido or Francisco Vargas want to fight a guy like that this close, this on the heels of what they just did to each other last week. So I think Lomachenko, you might see him fight people that are fringe top 10 guys. But the fights I want to see made... Are his? I want to see him rematch against Orlando Salido. A lot of people think that decision against Orlando Salido uh, in their earlier fight was wrong, and Salido got away with a lot of fouls, a lot of low blows, and Lomachenko showed that he wants to fight him again because he showed up in Carson last week, a week out of his fight from last night. So he, he wants that. I'd like to see him fight Francisco Vargas. I think that that fight would be amazing. 
Takashi Mura or Nicholas Walters. I think those four fights are a good way to go for Lomachenko. But you might have to see him fight guys that just quite aren't up there in the top 10. You know, he might be fighting someone like a Javier Fortuna or Jose Pedraza, Saul Rodriguez, guys that are ranked not too far uh, in the rankings, but he needs to stay active. He didn't get hit hardly at all in this fight, so he needs to keep going out there, keep fighting, and I don't think the the studs of the division like Vargas and Salida are gonna, or Mura are going to go out, um, but any of those fights would be amazing. So that's the direction I think Lomachenko needs to go in. That's where we need to see. And um, I failed to mention, also on HBO's contract is Felix Verdejo, who's looked like a pretty solid 135-pound fighter. Now, a lot of the people at HBO were saying this guy is the next best thing. He's the next big Puerto Rican fighter. And then he kind of leveled off. He kind of leveled off and had a couple unanimous decisions in a row. I think HBO is probably a little pissed about that. But that he came back last night against Juan Jose Martinez and really took care of business. Jonathan, let's roll it. All right. There it is at Madison Square Garden, the small room. A beautiful place to watch a fight. Verdeo, hand speed. Look at that hand speed. Impressive. Crowd loved it. Fans loved it. You can hear those shots. And he stuns uh, Martinez with a nice right hand there. And then just probably threw about 20 punches. And then the referee decided to stop it, stop the fight and run in here. That's enough. Enough punishment. But this is the kind of fight that Verdejo needed to bounce back from the critics saying that maybe we jump the gun. Maybe we jump the gun on this fighter. And maybe... You know, we should hold off. And, of course, he's impressive. Won the fight. And now his name is being mentioned, you know, and in, in, with other great lightweights. The only problem is, I think, with all the divisions, 126, 130, 135, up to 140, those four weight classes, I think the 135-pound weight division is lacking in star power. If you look at uh, Ring Magazine's rankings, you know, Jorge Linares, Anthony Carolla, Terry Flanagan, guys you don't hear much about in 135. It always seems like lightweight, you know, it, it's it's odd because we have all these stars, you know, in the 120s and then now just 130. And I think it's like a roller coaster. You're going to see the roller coaster is just creeping up. I think all of these guys are going to start putting on a little weight. And then I think you're going to see a lot of star power end up in that 135, maybe even 140 range. But if you're going to play crazy matchmaker, now this could be way in the future, and I guarantee someone at HBO is thinking about this because they are promoting Lomachenko really hard, and they're promoting Felix Verdejo really hard. Great records. I mean, Verdejo is 21-0. Lomachenko, 6-1. Doesn't sound great, but trust me, it is. 396-1 as an amateur. If those two could meet up, and let's say Verdejo is still undefeated, and they meet up at 135, that would be unreal. The problem is, I think Verdejo is going to move up quicker 
than Lomachenko because Lomachenko just moved up. I think he's going to stay at 130 and become king of that division or try to be with Salido and Vargas and Yura and Walters all there. All those fighters are there. There's a lot of fights to be made at 130, but I'm just playing crazy matchmaker. I think that fight, I think HBO is probably licking their chops at that possible fight. Uh, so, you know, that could go down, but I don't think it is. But that's got to be what people are thinking at HBO. Let's preview a few upcoming fights. Some fights that are happening. Of course, on June 25th, we have Keith Thurman and Sean Porter for Thurman's WBA welterweight title. That's a PBC fight. That's in New York. That's going to be a hell of a fight. Uh, Keith Thurman doesn't shy away from controversy. doesn't shy away from talking trash. Sean Porter has looked impressive as of late. Um... I'm not sure how this is going to work out, and I'm not. You know, maybe I'll throw down. You know what? You know what, Jonathan? Let's just hit this prediction bed because I'm going to predict this this Thurman and, and Sean Porter fight. So if we have it, yeah, that's right. And now you're hit the lights. Keith, one time Thurman and Sean Porter throwing down. To me, Keith Thurman looks like he's been slowing down in his last couple of fights. And Sean Porter has kind of been trending up. I see a fighter trending down and one fighter trending up. I'm picking Sean Porter to win this fight. I'm picking him by unanimous decision. I think it's going the distance. Thurman looked like he was going to be just tear through the division, tear through 140, um, or sorry, apologies, tear through 145, welterweight, and be the maybe one of the next stars. He still looks like a really good fighter, but I just don't think he's... I think he's good. I don't think he's great. Um, this will be a good barometer, and there's a lot of pressure on this fight because he keeps calling out Floyd Mayweather. I don't think Mayweather's coming back to face someone like Thurman, but if Mayweather were to consider it and if the public were to consider it, then I think he's he's got to look impressive in this fight. But I'm picking Sean Porter to win by unanimous decision on June 25th, and this kind of rolls in because I'm going to be on vacation when that fight happens. So I'm not going to be here to review it. So I'm going to jump ahead to two more fights that are happening. July 9th, Tyson Fury and Vladimir, Vladimir Klitschko for Fury's WBO and WBA heavyweight championship. This is going down. Klitschko looked awful in his last fight against Fury. He's got to make changes. I think Klitschko... He's 40 years old, but I think he's going to make the necessary changes and take his title back from Fury. You might even see him take his title back and retire. He's getting up there, but I, I think you're going to see Fury have a very short reign at the top, and I think Klitschko is going to take his title back. I, I can't see him being that sluggish in two straight fights. And then you've got Sergey Kovalev versus Isaac Chalimba on a Monday night on HBO. This is unheard of. Saturday night, Friday night, that's boxing. This is Monday night in Russia. My, my, my friend from HBO, Kieran Mulvaney, who I had the pleasure of interviewing here on After Buzz on the Spotlight On. Check it out. Check out After Buzz TV, Spotlight On, on the After Buzz TV channel. I had a great time with Kieran Mulvaney, who's uh, you know a writer there, an analyst at HBO. He has his podcast, the HBO Boxing Podcast. He's going over there with a skeleton crew, to interview the fighters and to be there ringside to write about the fight. So, Kieran, I wish you luck in Russia. And it's going to be Kovalev and Chalimba. It's for Kovalev's plethora of light heavyweight titles. 
I think Kovalev's going to wipe the floor with Chalimba. I think we're looking at a mid-round KO, round five or six. I don't think, and, and Chalimba's a good fighter, but Kovalev is special. And he knows that the Andre Ward fight is right on the horizon, and he cannot have a hiccup. So you're going to see an even more determined Kovalev than you saw against Hopkins and Pascal. You're going to see that against Chalimba. So don't even be surprised if this thing gets ended in round three or four. But I'm going around five, six, seven. And that's how I was talking to Andrea. That's how us in the boxing world get by with having our prediction, having a better percentage of being correct. So that's my predictions for the crazy amount of fights that are coming up. Um, uh, And I go to the chat here. Sylvia Love is chiming in. She said that this fight was boring. It disappointed me. Sylvia, I'd love to hear which fight you thought was boring. Was it Provodnikov and Molina or was it Lomachenko, Rocky Martinez? I don't think either one of them was boring. So please let me know in the chat. And if we don't get to it in the chat, follow me on Twitter at Gilkerson Radio and we can talk on there because I'd love to talk about fights, what you scored them and, and what you thought was boring. I didn't think anything last night was really boring. We saw, you know, we saw a stoppage in the Verdeo fight. We saw an amazing knockout in the Lomachenko fight. And Provodnikov Molina, we saw just, you know, pretty good action for for 12 straight rounds. Molina throwing over a thousand punches. So so Sylvia Love, let me know what you thought was boring from last night, and hopefully we'll have time to touch on that. But now we get into This Day in Boxing History, one of my favorite segments on the show, as we go back in time. And this is just, it's too much fun. You know, There's this is a fight that we're going to touch on today very quickly that it, it was before I was born. It was on the heels of the, when the heavyweight division looked like it might have been slumping. You know, how can you hold up with, with Ali and Frazier and Foreman? But then in comes a fighter, Larry Holmes, in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s. And on this date, June 12th, 1981, Larry Holmes KOs Leon Spinks in round three. Let's roll that knockout. In our grainy footage, it is 1981, but Larry Holmes just pummeling Leon Spinks in the corner. Look at that. Just cocking the right hand back. Larry Holmes, one of the strongest heavyweight fighters. And that was it. It was stopped. Fight was stopped in the third round. The lovely Howard Cosell, the legend Howard Cosell on the call. And as we know, Larry Holmes, you know, I think one of the more, and as you've heard before, one of the most underrated heavyweight champions. And then after the fight, if you want to go on YouTube, that was when uh, Jerry Cooney and Larry Holmes got into it um, ringside. And then later on, of course, we saw one of the biggest grossing fights in the 80s, Cooney versus Holmes, um, also referenced in one of my favorite movies, The Great White, the Great White Hype, easy for me to say. Um, as, you know, how you make money in boxing. So you can put two and two together there. But um, it just, you know, that was, that was, you know, hopefully what we can see after Tyson Fury versus Vladimir Klitschko is we see a little bit of a resurgence in the heavyweight division. I think the Klitschkos, you know, they're just about, just about done. I mean, I respect them. I love watching the Klitschkos, but I think you've got a lot of talent coming up in the heavyweight division. And I think you've got a lot of potential. So hopefully um, we see a resurgence there. And we're going to check up on here. Jonathan, before we pull the plug on this episode, I want to see if there's any late breaking news in the boxing world. But it, it doesn't look like it. There's just a lot of reviews from last night's fights. So many fights last night. 
um, and a lot of people talking. But there's no breaking news. So I was hoping live on the show I could report uh, Canelo and Triple G has been made, but it still hasn't. Or Kovalev, Kovalev Ward still hasn't, but that one's trending in the right direction. There's so much boxing to look forward to in the coming months. Uh, I, I really hope, you know, as a, as a boxing fan, I hope people realize there's just this summer is really packed. I mean, I didn't even get into Santa Cruz and, and Carl Frampton coming up at the end of July. There's just a lot of potential. And with these big fights bubbling, like Ward and Kovalev and Canelo Triple G, and then Salido Vargas last week and Lomachenko this week and Provodnikov and Molina, um, check out boxing. And if, if somehow Mayweather and Pacquiao has soured your taste on boxing, come back. And join us, John. I hope you. I hope you hang out with me and watch some fights here. You know, take a load off from the engineering booth. Yeah, come out and that. join me. I mean, how great was that Lomachenko knockout? It was awesome. That was an amazing knockout. Yeah. And I'm sure even my friend Jay Tan from UFC, he would have enjoyed that one. So Jay, shout out to you and and uh, make sure you check out Jay Tan. He reviews all the UFC fights. Uh, I'm not sure if there's one today. If there was anything last night, I, I usually would have seen him around. But he does a hell of a job. He knows his UFC. Check out his show. And once again, check out my interview with Kieran Mulvaney from HBO Sports. Uh, my spotlight on with him. Got a chance to sit down and talk about his his boxing career. We only scratched the surface. So the next time Kieran's in town, we're going to dive deeper into his career and the fights he's covered. So hopefully we have a chance to do that. But uh, let's put a bow on this episode. I will be back and looks like maybe three or three weeks from now to review Klitschko and Fury and Kovalev and Chalimba. I will not be here to review Thurman and Sean Porter, but I will be on Snapchat, Jared Gilkerson, and I will be on Vine, Jared Gilkerson. I'll be previewing these fights, reviewing other fights, so make sure to give me a follow there. I'm on Instagram, at Jared Gilkerson, and on Twitter, at Gilkerson Radio, and my co-host that's usually here, Andrea Fasano, is at Andy Fasano. Give her a follow, and use the hashtag ABTVBoxing. Until next time, see you later. Executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff. We would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Box you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.